This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. We're here with Chelsea. Chelsea goes by the Instagram handle Chelsea twelve twenty five on Instagram. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you. Good to try a take two, right? <laughs> That's it. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much goes into a podcast and how much time is taken up. Um, Chelsea and I had recorded earlier, and it just didn't work out because of Wi Fi and connectivity issues and what have you. But um, yeah, round two. So. Thanks for taking more time out of your day to get to get your story out there. Um, it was pretty cool because I got to know your background and we get to do it again. But um, Chelsea's in the excavation industry. Um, that being said, Chelsea, how did you get there and and um, kind of what's your background on that? Uh, so originally I was actually supporting the Navy as an independent contractor, as a statistician all the good stuff. And uh, everyone knows about the big COVID ordeal that occurred and they were mandating the vaccine. I was very hesitant on whether to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a high risk person when it comes to um, illnesses and things like that. So I went to go take the first shot to keep my job and I ended up having a huge reaction went to the hospital and my company was still requiring me or wanting me to get the second shot. So at that time I was working part-time at the excavation company, um, optimizing and automating some of their, uh, transportation logs and things like that. So I just figured I liked being outside. I was doing, um, NOIs and things like that, getting a little taste of the excavation. So when I was put in this, dilemma of which way to go I said let's just do a whole career path change and go into excavation full-time so obviously you're there um how's it working out you enjoying it you being able to apply everything that you've learned prior to learning new skills um let's run through some of that like so I am still using like some aspects that I you know my whole college thing wasn't a you know waste. It's been helping me a lot when it comes to, like I said, automation and more of, I would say, the estimating portion of it. So I'm technically a project manager, but I've been kind of doing everything from beginning to end. So I'll estimate the job. If it's one, then I'll actually do the project management. I'll go in the field with the guys and actually learn how things are installed, quantities, methods, things in that sort. So it makes me a better estimator. I will take that, do profit loss and kind of give reports at the end of each job and kind of be able to give the guys, I actually write up, um, sorry, that's my dog, uh, SOPs, which kind of like this kind of the algorithm of how to complete a job. So like when it comes to settlement controls or stormwater management or any type of technique, I actually create, you know, a step-by-step uh, process for the guys so they can actually use it and apply it. Or if anyone new in the excavation scene comes in, I can actually somewhat help out. Obviously I'm not, uh, it's not going to help them actually like m- operate the machine or anything like that, but 
and I do get to practice some of the goodness of uh, some of our machines as well. So that's been great. No, that's cool. So SOP, correct me if I'm wrong, for my military days, it was standard operating procedure. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Yep. So, so for people out there, um, it's pretty cool to apply that to um, jobs and what have you, because, you know, now, again, there's a step-by-step -step, um, procedure on, on how to do the specific job. It standardizes things. Um, it allows for better estimating in general, because you can say, Hey, you know what, this is going to take X amount of equipment for this size site, um, for this many days and this much manpower. And you could say like, Hey, my guys will be here for three days doing this. My guys will be able to go to the next job for five days. So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of guys that just like go from job to job, um, do what it takes potentially could be ahead of schedule or behind schedule. And that can lead to backups and delays um, because either the job's not ready or um, they don't have the material delivered or what have you. And now guys are standing around for a day and a half figuring out what they're going to do. So it definitely streamlines that. And I think that that's, that's cool being able to apply what you've done in the past um, and, and bring it into a space that may not necessarily have them, um, I know that, you know, the excavating industry has been around for a long time, so there are procedures in place, but that being said, just kind of furthering, um, the industry when it comes to that. And I'm sure there's not many statisticians that, that make it, make the jump to this, which is, which is cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, leveling up, pushing the industry, uh, there's a lot of new technology out there and, and, um, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's getting pretty cool. So. Walk me through some of the stuff that you're learning on the job site from uh, from a trade trade related standpoint. What what are you doing? What is out of your comfort zone? Um, honestly, I guess I don't know if it's uncomfortable, but definitely a learning curve for me is more the commercial side. So mm -hmm. I like initially was starting like strictly residential just to get my feet in the water. Um, you know, because our excavation company pretty much does everything but the building construction itself and well. So like we go from literally clearing, demolition, settlement controls, all utilities, um, footers, pads, um, stormwater management, final stabilization, pretty everything from beginning yeah. to end. And then when I, but you know, everything pretty much goes in a relatively similar pattern and residential and commercial is not that at all and then yeah. when you bounce from county to county there's different regulations you obviously have to make sure you know um typically you're getting in more bigger situations which you have to make sure you're complying to osha which is fun and um things in that sort of material approvals and submittals and a lot more um paperwork that i didn't expect <laughs> but <laughs> It's been interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would say that those are kind of like unexpected things that, that you didn't really know about. I'm, you know, all the permitting processes and and uh, the lead times going up to them. I'm sure that like, you know, one township or one city works a lot faster and, you know, another one works a lot slower. So it's hard to coordinate assets or move along a job based on just how how they're handled so it's more familiarity with with each individual um building department or 
um, sewer department or wh whoever you have to collaborate with at the time. And and I will say estimating is definitely a bigger ball game because you have a lot more like mega luck kits and say, you know, are you doing C900, ductile? Like there's so many different things and you'll literally get a quote that's 200 lines worth of material and you have to be able to know what each piece of material is, where it's going and if it's the right quantity for the job as well. And that's a big thing kind of going from estimation to actually out there in the field with the guys because they'll be looking at me and they're like, well, I'm two megalogs short. Where am I at? But then I'll have, you know, so there's things in that aspect or things that kind of go off plan too, that you have to be quick on your feet and, and get stuff there the same day. So. So what do you find yourself, um, I guess, uh, as a resource, what, what are you leaning on the most? Are, are there, are there manuals or, um, I don't know, resources on the internet or are you relying on the knowledge of, of others in the office or or on the job site to to really stay in tune with with what's going on and and kind of furthering your knowledge there uh so i guess proceed the only thing that i've actually been able to really get in depth in like courses or something that i can do more online is primarily for myself in the septic side mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Um, we're we're all, we've been doing a family shop day outside working on my truck. So, um, so online, it's been primarily like septic, uh, like sand mound, like pretty much all of your disposal systems I've been doing. But when yep. it comes to utilities or anything outside of the septic spectrum, I've actually been really learning it from the, being in the field, being with the guys, and um. The owners they're very diverse and they've had a um very longer experience in yes. the construction scene so i've actually been learning all, everything from them that's cool that's cool so you you had said last time um you know you're you're hopping in the machine more potentially want to get a cdl um how's how's all that going for you um, so I had to put the CDL stuff to the side because I am in the process of building my truck right now. So that's been taking a lot of it. Um, but I have been able to actually, I've been using the equipment as in a sense to help build the truck as well, because I can't lift my, my engine or things like that, or we've been doing a lot of transportation and, um, we've been doing stuff around our house too. So that's where I've got to kind of play in the equipment a lot more than probably I could, you know, during yep. my job, but that's kind of a, unfortunately that's going to be a 2024 goal for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you follow Chelsea on Instagram, you notice there's, there's a sprinkle of what she does um, for work, but the majority of it is your truck and obviously working at the truck shows um with a lot of companies or one specific company is it just renegade no um i work with others i primarily travel with them because i do help um promote the product because i do use their detailing products on right. my truck but i do work with others as well i have a um i have some partnerships that are directly with the truck so showing kind of the performance of it or how it works because i'm a 
very big believer that I'm not going to kind of push something that I'm not really into or believe or think that it has a good quality because to me, like I wouldn't want someone promoting or pushing me to buy a product that I don't use. So that's pretty much what the truck shows because when you see a big lifted old truck, a lot of them unfortunately are not driven as far or they're pretty much as you quote trailer Queens, but I really want my truck to be exactly the way I want it, but be able to drive long distance. So that's kind of what, it's been for. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I, th I think you've put it out there that, you know, a lot of people have asked you, um, you know, oh, did you build this yourself or, um, you know, who did you just buy it? Did somebody build it for you? And none of that is the case. You built it yourself with your husband and you guys have been just going to town on it. Um, right now you're working to get a new cab on it, correct? So my cab has been painted and it's actually here. Um, so that in the front fenders, uh, my husband and I are actually, I came before I came in here, we were installing my new brake lines. Um, so we're trying to get, and the cab mounts were put on today. So I'm hoping to have the actual cab mounted tomorrow. Um, just because with all the weather and stuff like that, but this week, the cab will be put on. We're actually going to take it back up to PA because I have to pick up the bed because it's going to be truly two-tone line. They want to match the line with my cab. And picking up the suspension, picking up the motor, it, it's a lot coming in in the next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I remember doing, uh, so I'm a mechanic, so it was funny because, like, brake lines were the bane of my existence. Like, I hated doing them on rotted out old cars, right? We used to run um, copper nickel over stainless, or sorry, copper nickel over regular lines. But then they started coming out with stainless prevent lines, um, which were kind of difficult to work with because stainless doesn't bend very well. And the when it comes, it comes in this long box. And usually the one that goes from, you know, the front of the truck all the way to the back axle is bent in half. And it's a pain in the ass to try to straighten it again and get it to line up. Um, did you guys run your own brake lines or did you guys buy a kit? I just bought a 25 foot line of stainless steel brake line. And that's what we've been doing is bending it and, and, and clipping it. it. <laughs> yeah. This shit is no joke to work with. It's, and it's, it sucks because like, you know, at the end, when you go to bleed it out, there's always one that just won't seat. And um, you hope that you, you know, if the flare is fucked up, that you have enough line to cut it and stretch it a little bit and put it back together. That's, that's kind of what I like the ordeal was. He's like, um, cause again, like I have, this is my first time like going through all this. So he's like, all right, you're going to, he, I like, I watched him do the front end and, and he flared it and he's like, all right, here's the tool. Like, let's do it. So I'm trying to, and like, I'm like, it's not flaring. It's not. Flaring. So he's like, oh, mm, I don't like that. Let's keep clipping. I'm like, he's like, I don't have much left. And I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I used to, I used to split some of the flares. Um, just cause again, stainless is hard to work with. Uh, the copper nickel was, was awesome, but it tarnishes and it doesn't look that great. Um, later on, but it was definitely, you know, a lot easier to work with. But, um, so you, you powder coated everything you, painted it like walk me through the process of what you're doing uh for the undercarriage for the diffs um suspension all that stuff uh so 
Uh, I posted, if, you, if you've seen, my husband actually did the work to actually, I had some rusted out spots and some corroding okay. issues on my frame. He actually fixed all of that and he's painted the frame. And we had an issue at first because we were trying to kind of do a simple just black. He's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to make it look fancy and like SEMA ready? Or do you like for me, I'm looking for something just practical and durable. So yeah. like undercarriage or like underneath my cab and things like that. I just wanted it right online because that's more durable and more practical for me driving it long distance but he wants me to also make sure that it looks top tier so he sanded all the exterior sides of the frame and, and painted it in the same tuxedo black that i used on my cab and it turned out phenomenal um so he's done that all of the suspension my axles just got rebuilt because um after they got powder coated and because i was running like 366 differentials with my lip, like my huge lift and tire. So it was screaming. So mm -hmm. we were doing, I think it was 538 is what okay. I went with these. So, um, running that coilers, all, all the coilovers, bars, things in that sort are all powder coated. And then, yeah, it's Pretty much it. I think my drive shafts and stuff, I didn't go powder coat. I think I just lined them because, again, I just wanted something that was a little bit more practical. For now, the with, the lift, with, with the, you know, obviously the lifted truck and everything like that, um, what's your advice when you're picking out a lift or picking out tires? I know for me, um, when we were doing hot rod builds, um, you take like a 32 Chevy or 32 uh, Plymouth and they'd say, start with pick your rims and tires first and then work around building the car. And it didn't make sense until we built the car and then we went to go pick up rims and tires and we actually had to get the stuff custom made because, you know, rims, tires, everything like that would be rubbing and you'd size down or size up, skinny it, whatever. It was like, man, it would have been a hell of a lot easier <laughs> if we just picked the tires and rims we wanted and then worked around it. Um, what's kind of been the most challenging portion of the job, uh, that you could pass on a tidbit of information? I, I think the process that I've been taking is something that I would recommend to those, which is, it's kind of not, I think it's backwards of what the typical person does, but I say work bottom up. So mm -hmm. typically people will get the paint job done or they'll do the body work and everything. And then they'll go into the suspension. I kind of worked kind of the other way around. I, well, obviously maintenance first because it was a 30-year-old truck that was leaking and had 30 years of oil and grime that was stuck to it. But I did all, like, I actually worked with the suspension first. We did, I kind of just did wheels and tires that I thought would give me full radius. I've done my, like, engine repairs, um, transmission rebuilds, everything kind of to that sort because I was constantly pulling the truck apart and, you know, together and apart and together apart. And I got a lot of crap in the show scene because they saw this fancy suspension and wheels and tires and they thought that my paint job, like the paint or how the truck was, was supposed to be finished. So I got a lot of rag on it because it was like, you saw ocean, like the waves, you saw like scratches and, and rust, but I was trying to explain to everybody that literally the body is the last thing I wanted to touch because I don't want to be constantly tearing it apart and messing up the paint. So that's been kind of 
my method of madness. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Um, especially when it comes to like fitment and, and what have you, I don't know how many times that you're, you're spot on that we had, and it wasn't necessarily during a build. It was more all of a sudden everything was done and it rolls out and you have a head gasket leak because it, you know, it was rebuilt and it wasn't torqued properly or what have you. And now you're climbing around all of this new paint you mm-hmm. have. I mean, we used to, we used to ask, you know, sh- people in the shop, if they had old comforters and rat, like, and the whole thing would just be padded and you're, I mean, it just adds a whole nother level of, of like care and procedure that you need. And it just makes, it just makes the, the, the job go longer you're just nervous the entire time. Um, not to say that you shouldn't be around, you know, customers paint and what have you, but it was just, it was so nerve wracking, especially when you had like $50,000 in the paint and body work and you got to pull the engine out again, or, you know, for us, we did Corvettes. So we were pulling the way a Corvette was a Corvette restoration was done was it was an all fiberglass body. And we, we'd have this uh, four straps from a chain fall and we'd unbolt the body and lift it off the cab. And then it'd go to a, it'd go right to a dolly and get bolted down. And if it wasn't done perfectly, you could end up cracking the fiberglass um, body work would pop all of that stuff. So if you had to do that with a fully done car at that time, it was like, we were up shit's Creek at that point in time. So yeah, no, I, I, I think it's good. Get it get it dialed in the undercarriage and the engine compartment, all that stuff. And then once you're there, pop that uh, cab right on top of it and be, be riding in style. So um, what's your plan for it? Where's the unveiling going to be once you're all done? Uh, it's pretty much going to be SEMA, which is just in a few weeks. That's stressing me out. So <laughs> I am, I pretty much have three weekends left to mind you. I'm still just frame right now. My, Engine is in one section of PA. My suspension's in Ohio. My bed is in a diff, a whole nother section of PA. I have three weeks to get all of that collectively back together and get her ready and running and drivable um, because my husband's actually going to haul my truck out to Iowa to One of a Kind Customs, and then they actually have a SEMA build, and they're going to haul both of the trucks down there to Nevada for Halloween weekend. Oh, that is, that's something you think you're going to make it. Um, I, we will make it. Oh, and I don't even have my wheels yet. So I have to still get those powder coated and get my, my tire, my tires are sitting in my basement and I still have to get those mounted and stuff. But I do think we will make it there, but will the truck be a hundred percent like to my standard, no. Like the exterior, yes, but the interior is going to be completely stock. I'm not going to be able to do anything that I want to because, again, I just need the truck drivable. And for SEMA purposes, I really don't need the inside. The engine, like um, they're doing – because everyone's like, what are you doing to the engine? Um, I'm just fixing the leaks. <laughs> so, like, my rear main seal is is really bad. And yeah. there's a couple other sections that I just want someone that is experienced and can mess with the timing because I don't have enough time to actually break it down and like Aaron and I take our time to get that done. So 
you know, like with the engine, the interior, um, those are just some things. And of course, next year I'm hoping to, right now I'm running the G360 five-speed transmission. And I'd really like to upgrade that to an MV5600 just be, you know, so it's a smoother and more comfortable ride on the highway. So will it get there? Yes. Will it be a hundred percent? No, but I'm hoping for 2024 that I'm a little bit closer. So you said your next project after this would be the CDL, but I know with any gearhead and especially gearhead families, um, there's always another project coming along. Do you have line of sight on it or um, is this it for now? You're going to enjoy it. And um, my husband and I have agreed that we have to take turns. Um, <laughs> oh, it's his turn. Um, he wants to do a semi build, so I'm not going to go too into detail because he, like, I want that to be his adventure. And like, yeah. we also made the agreement that whoever's build it is, they get to share it first. Yeah. So yeah. something that he wants to do, but that's kind of my motivation to get the CDL because I don't want to like him be the only one who can drive. Like I want to be able to actually haul it and he wants to use it as a tow a hauler too to actually take my truck and eventually he have another truck as well to show around that is like you guys are living my dream that's that is awesome i i know there's plenty of people out there that that want that but it's it's amazing the power of 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 a couple and what they can accomplish and um i'm sure you feed off his energy and knowledge as well as he feeds off yours um if you guys have a good working relationship which it sounds like you do I know that like when I get in the barn, um, helping my wife from time to time, we may butt heads, but, um, yeah, uh, it sounds like you guys are dialing it in and, and everything's good there. So the best of luck to you guys in that, in that aspect. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Hold on one sec. Your video just went out. I see you. Okay. It says live video will return when their internet improves. Oh, no. I mean, I have full. It's all right. We'll roll with it. We'll see what happens. Sorry. Um, I mean, I no. see you and everything. <laughs> we, won't, we won't shoot it again. All editors will just put my face there or something for for the time being. Um, all right. So one thing I want to ask you is, and this is always um, a question that, you know, I ask a lot of up and comers, but um, you're obviously uh, a, a female coming into a male dominated industry. Um, do you feel like you're part of the guys, part of the group, part of everything? Has there been any challenges there? Um, any words of wisdom for, um, you know, females that want to get into the trade that are like, I don't want to go work in a shop of guys, but I really like doing um, the job. I mean, again, actually, it's roles reversed. I have a farm that is run by all females. So I never thought I'd experience that on the other side. And let me tell you, um, management style is different. Um, you know, work is distributed differently. 
Um, there's a lot less yelling, which was which yeah. was interesting. A lot less swearing. So um, from that standpoint, like I'm actually learning a lot working amongst a group of females as uh, more so than I would um, along a group of of males. But are there any challenges for you, or is it just like, hey, I'm in there, I'm doing what I'm doing, well respected, no issues? You definitely, you definitely grow some uh, thicker skin. I yep. will say that, and the biggest hurdle that I've had to overcome because it's you know being almost two years into it now it's you just gotta let stuff roll off yeah because there's unfortunately like luck i'm actually the excavation company that i work for it's actually woman owned so oh. like i do get to work with women and men um primarily we're men in the field but you know uh management wise and things like that and ownership is female oriented um but when you work with builders or different clients or things like that, that are male, I do find a lot of times that they either assume I know nothing <laughs> or um, they just assume that I'm some type of administrative role. Yeah. So they think I'm like here to just take notes or things like that when I'm actually in charge of like managing the guys and things in that sort and the job. So uh, just, just rolling with the punches and you, you know your own experience level and what your knowledge is. And if you keep that to your, like, if you know that in the back of your head, when you get any type of commentary or disregard from the males, like <laughs> that's pretty much the biggest thing uh, that'll help you out. So I definitely had to learn that very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could, I could see that. Um, Cause again, you know, my wife has dealt with, numerous contractors or, or numerous vendors and they've said like oh can i speak to your husband and she's like no i run this barn and um you know you talk to me and they're like oh oh so sorry you know what i mean and, and um yeah i mean she 100 percent knows what she's doing um usually puts them back on their heels and it's and it's kind of funny that like uh, the world's evolving. We have a very diverse workforce and we shouldn't take anything for granted. And um, females or people from different backgrounds usually come with a whole different view on on the job or the task at hand. And it's always welcome to have a difference of opinion or um, a differing experience. So, yeah, more power to you. You're welcome to the workforce. This is great. I am, I am really enjoying it. So even with, you know, the, the big hurdle of just different, the genders and different personalities and, and thought processes coming together, it's been a really cool experience. I've, I'm kind of glad because it's more like, I would have never known half the stuff I should be looking for when it comes to buying a house or building a house or, like, doing anything if I was not in this trade. Like, I didn't realize how ignorant society and, like, everyone around is um, to the process or what to look for until you're actually in it. Because I probably would have made some really bad decisions real estate-wise mm -hmm. as well if I didn't know what I know now. So, that yeah. does help as well. That's cool. Um you know, we, we talk about it a lot. Um, especially when it comes like education, right? Education, higher learning, all that stuff. And people automatically associate education or higher learning with 
um, you know, in-person classroom time, um, courses, book work, stuff like that. I've taken a step back. I've done all of it. I've done every from college to trade school to um, on the job training. And what I've realized is all of it's beneficial. It's where you put it, right? Mm-hmm. And higher learning for me is situations like that. And one of the biggest things that I like about the trade schools or just getting into a trade, even if it's not going to be your career, is there's so much transferable skills that people don't even realize. Like just from the math side of things, like when I was fabricating and welding, um, angles and degrees and all that stuff, right? Measurements. I mean, just, just getting comfortable with measuring things. And then once you've measured things for a long period of time, you can actually start to eyeball like, Hey, that's 10 yards. That's 50 yards. That's, um, you know, 10 feet, 12 feet, what have you. Um, and even, even down to like, I worked with my brother-in-law for a little bit. I was a mechanic at the time. I didn't know studs a new construction were 16 um, 16 inches on center. Right. So for me, when I'm hanging a fucking TV in my house, right. I know that as long as it's modern construction, that if I hit a stud 16 inches from this one is the other stud. Right. Um, so to start looking at that, um, and it's, it's just small stuff. Like, like you said, you know, home buying, um, being able to do the inspection yourself to, to some degree. Right. Um, is huge. Uh, like when was it made? All right. When, when it was made, what were some of the common things used? Lead, asbestos, you know, yes, all that yeah. stuff. Um, so then your wheels start get turning. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to go down and look at the plumbing. You know, does it look asbestos lined? You know, is this going to be an added cost for me? Um, you know, electrical, when was the last time the electrical has been updated and, and this, that, and the other thing. And then you start to realize, all right, Maybe maybe I should pass on this one because this one's going to be a lot of work. Or maybe, hey, this is a diamond in a rough. Well, that's the thing, too. It depends on your personality and what you're willing to learn as well because there's some couples or families that I've found where I'm like, okay, you definitely need a turnkey kind of home, like property. As my husband and I bought um, a house that was built in the 30s. So (laughs) we've been dealing with a lot and probably in the last year have been hit with probably anything and everything you could possibly think of to go wrong. But we're willing and we're kind of open to, we're fixer uppers. And when we rented, we were doing that. We were like not half the time, not even calling the landlord, just fixing the things ourselves. So that's kind of the mentality we have. So we are more willing to have a house that needs a little bit more loving care so we can have that big old shop out there rather than someone else who comes in and just wants something that's already ready to go. Everything's brand new. They just literally have to move in and pick paint colors on their wall and things like that. So, Well, also too, like facing adversity and, 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 and things going wrong with builds or, or, you know, on a job site or something like that, it kind of, kind of gives you that, that thick skin as you would, you would say that, Hey, there's an, there's another solution to this problem. Don't panic. Um, don't worry about it. Like we'll get through this. I know that like early on in my career, when something went wrong, you almost like froze. You wanted to give up. There's nothing you're like, you're like, fuck this. I'm done. Like, I, I don't even know why I want to be a mechanic, but it comes the same with home ownership is, is like you go and do a, something. It doesn't go right, but 
now that you're seasoned and things going wrong, you don't panic as much. And you're like, all right, what, what's the next course of action? How can, how can we resolve this, this issue and kind of move forward? And I think that seeing a lot of things go wrong actually helps um, uh, when things do go wrong. I mean, there's just so many, so many examples out there, but yeah. I, uh, that's why a few years ago when, before I had my truck, I was driving my husband's to Tennessee and I had a couple girls with me. And once I got into Fairfield, Virginia, cause I'll yes. remember that town very well, the head gaskets blew and I was overheating and everything started going in the smoke. And we ended up like cycling down to this little rest stop and, um, pretty much was stranded. And in that moment, I had no idea what to do. I didn't even know what was really going on. Like people would drive by, they see a cool lifted truck. They're like, hey, let me take a picture. Bye. Like no one helped. And like my husband's four hours away. And at that moment, ever since then, whether it comes to the truck, comes to the house, comes to my job, I really think it's really important. Whatever aspect you're thinking about is you need to have enough background knowledge or enough knowledge about the situation to either know how to fix it yourself or know what you need to fix it or if there's something like okay like you don't have the tools or whatever you need to actually is there an alternate like are there are there different avenues that you can take to temporarily fix the band-aid things like that so um i think no matter what situation you're in having that kind of background in yourself like okay what's the next step what can i do instead of like you said freezing like i did that day <laughs> um really can help you out and and save you in a situation yeah, it's um, uh, another thing I can add there, too, because uh, it comes to mind as we're um, working through some renovations ourselves, um, is just being able to call different contractors, speak to different contractors, have them out, gauge their level of experience, um, you know, their workability and what they're going to do. I had one, I was, I'm going to be putting, and I don't want to say like the name of the company because they're local to me, but I had, I wanted to put a secondary heating source on my parents' side of the, the house because it got like, I guess heat pumps don't, they stop working at like negative 20 degrees. And we had a, we had a, um, we had a cold spat in last winter that was below that and they had no heat because the heat pumps wouldn't work. So I'm like, I'm looking for a pellet stove or like a propane monitor heater or something that um, we can kick on when it gets that bad. Um, so anyway, I, they have this old farmhouse like um, fireplace that we're not we're not supposed to use. So I was looking for an insert and potentially a chimney to go up through the middle or like a liner to go up through the chimney. And I called the company that supplies pellet stoves and she goes to me um you bring in the dimensions and you know we'll get you a pellet stove and then once the pellet stove is in the owner of the company will come out and remeasure it and then you can install it and i was like i go i'm more looking along the lines of like i don't know what you guys have for inventory i don't know what will or will not work um would you come out and do an on-site visit and she's like no, he won't do an on-site visit. You know, he doesn't do estimates, stuff like that. I go, I will pay for the estimate because I want to make sure it's right. And a lot of people, um, as I talk to a whole bunch of contractors, um, they're starting to charge for estimates. And I wholeheartedly agree 
that they should charge for estimates. And then when people hear that a contractor charges for estimates, pay it to have them come out there, make sure that this job is going to, you know, be good from start to finish. And, you know, there's accountability on, on their behalf, but yeah, it's kind of a, an industry shift a little bit. I know a lot of them are doing it and they'll probably be like, you're wrong. We've been doing it for 10 plus years, but, um, yeah, I, I actually like paying for estimates now because, um, they know what, when you pay, that usually means they know what they're doing. So, um, yeah. it's kind of funny, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. Just being able to network, um, call contractors, stuff like that, that I've gotten familiar with over the years that has made any renovation or any build out go smoother. Yeah. Sweet. So, um, outside of everything, you know, I know you and your husband, are are tied to dual building things and renovations and your work his work um what do you guys do to unwind you don't unwind <laughs> um oh my gosh uh she's like shit we need to take a vacation i know we 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 don't really um, I'm just going to be honest, like pretty much working on the trucks is our muse. Yeah. Like, even though it stresses us out, it's kind of our way to like be together. Now, yep. back in the day when we first started dating, um, we used to like find a new city or like we actually hiked and like we, we talk about doing that again, yep. but we get so like, even though the truck stresses us out and it's something more and it's money and everything else, it's just something that him and I... It's just that that's our thing. I don't know. No, no, no. I, I always like to see what people do outside of their um, their work life and, and what have you. And it sounds like, yeah, even though it's work, um, you guys are spending time together. You guys are enjoying people's company. I know others don't necessarily mesh on that level. But um, no, that's cool. That's super important. That means you're doing something right, right? Yeah, well, I mean him and I have just been very work oriented ever, you know, for a long time. So it's just something like we, so like I have a little stepson, um, he's four, he's about to be five and he's pretty much the only reason why our motivation to do stuff outside the shop, because like we want to be able to take him to like go camping and go to the parks and things like that, which it does motivate us to do. But he also like, we also want him to see like what, working hard and dedication and things like that come to your side as he's already telling me that I have to find him engines off a of marketplace for his next build, which a four-year-old knows about marketplace. That's probably a bad thing. He <laughs> has his own tool, like his own tools. He, I had a donor truck or like a little um, dually body or frame and body sitting here and he was claiming it as his. So I still haven't broke the news to him that it's someone else's now because we sold it at a show, but he thinks his truck is somewhere getting built. So um, that's when I'm going to have to break down. Oh, jeez. No, that's, that's awesome. It sounds like you guys have a, uh, a good, a good balance, a, a good uh, family setting. So that's, that's awesome. Bill, you guys are raising the next uh, tradesman for, for this industry. So putting them, uh, putting them off on the right foot. If I could just get him to stop saying that my truck is slow, I'd feel much better because he Ooh. definitely calls me out. 
very much about Shade already. Four years yes. old. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Well, you know, second time, this was awesome. I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, super informative, really interesting start to your career. Um, you might be the smartest person we've ever had on the show. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, um, super cool background. People can take away that like, Hey, um, the path you started off on isn't necessarily the path that you have to finish on. Um, but yeah, super cool. Thanks for being on. If they want to follow you, ask you any questions, um, potentially any resources. Now's your time to share. Yeah, uh, so pretty much on anything and everything, it's Chelsea1225. Um, Chelsea with a Y, not an A. But I do try as well to get to pretty much a lot of truck events too because I really do like meeting a lot of people person to person just because I, I like getting another, other aspects, learning. You might learn something off of me. I learn something off of you um, kind of ordeal, and it's more down to earth, so – whether it's at a show or you message me online, I am here to help any way I can. Awesome. Thank you, Chelsea. And as a special thanks to our loyal listeners, we're giving $10 off your next purchase of $60 or more at BruntWorkWear.com. Use discount code BUCKETTALK10. That's BUCKETTALK10.